Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast. It is Friday, October 7th, 7th, 7th. In this episode, we will preview the Premier League match week, talk Liverpool versus Arsenal, which is the big one, uh, little Everton uh, versus Man United, review the Champions League that just passed, and see where we are in the league. But first, housekeeping. Uh, first, thank you to the Chop Sports Network. We appreciate those boys being part of our show. And thank you to the Fan Hub folks who listen to the show and everyone around the world who has downloaded. Please, please, please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We need you. Either follow the show on whatever podcast you listen to. If you're on Facebook, follow the show on Squeaky Bum Time um, Matchbook Group. If you are on Twitch, we are on Twitch. You can follow us there or YouTube to subscribe. Wherever you are, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We need you. And feel free to join the show. We have a WhatsApp group. I'll put that in the description. If you can't find it, you can find it somewhere else. So that is the beginning of the show. But let's get to it. First things first, we're going to go through the UEFA Champions League scores. Here we go. First, Bayern beat Victoria Pleasant. Don't care about that game. Marseille defeat Sporting. Not a big deal. Porto over Leverkusen. The big one here. Club, Club Brugge defeats Atletico Madrid at home. Cholo Simeone's defensive tactics are failing him. Club Brugge. Not a big team. That's Belgium. Wowie wow. Another massive result. Napoli are flying and destroy Ajax. Angela, what say you? Holy cow. Napoli are all over the place. All their players leave. They're still awesome. One of our friends from the Premier League take the nil-nil draw at Eintracht Frankfurt. Don't like that result for Tottenham, but they don't lose. This is how they want to play. Inter defeat Barca. Barca are insepid. Inter get the win. They are better managed. Liverpool have an easy win. Get off to Schneid versus Rangers, who put up nothing. Two goals against Rangers at home is actually not good enough for Liverpool, in my opinion. Trent Alexander-Arnold with the goal. Salzburg over Dinimo Zabgreb. They're leading their group. RB Leipzig also leading their group. 3-1 versus Celtic. Chelsea in a good result from my boy Graham Potter over Milan. Milan kind of give up. Lots of injuries. Fine for them. Juve somehow are struggling, but defeat Maccabi Haifa, don't care about them. Real Madrid, batter Shakhtar Donetsk, somehow only scored two goals. This one's crazy. They took 36 shots, 14 on target, and only scored two goals. Weird. Uh, Dortmund defeats Sevilla. Sevilla, we say goodbye to Julian Lopetegui, who may take the Wolves job, so Sevilla are in trouble. And a 1-1 draw for Benfica versus PSG. Benfica are very, very good. And then my boys and Holland. Holland scores two more goals in a 5-0 in win over Copenhagen. Wow. That's important. We had to get the Champions League out of the way. Now we're going to transition, transition, transition. Very quickly. Bing, bang, boom. On to uh, the Premier League, which is where we bread our butter. Bread or butter? Bread and butter? Bread and butter. And uh, we say hello to our friends in the Premier League. This week is led off by the massive, massive clash of Arsenal versus Liverpool. Wow. It's Sunday, 8.30 a.m. on the West Coast, 11.30. Uh, sorry, 8.30 a.m. on the Pacific Coast, 11.30 on the West Coast. So you guys know that I'm getting up early for these goddamn games. Um, this is another big game and a check-in point for Arsenal. 
Arsenal played well in their Europa League game against Boda Glimt. Our friends Boda Glimt. I actually watched this. Boda Glimt are pretty good. They just, they really play out from the back. And Arsenal were able to, with their precision, with the mistakes made by Boda, able to really shut them down and beat them with their B team, to be frank. So they have a Thursday, Sunday. But most of the big boys didn't play. And what, what I liked about Arteta, when Boda was starting to get back in the game, Arteta was like, no, 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 not today. He brought on the big boys. On comes Jesus. On comes Odegaard. And they're like, we're not letting this slip. We're not giving these guys any quarter at all. So Arsenal sit top of the league. They're playing Liverpool, who are ninth on 10 points. They're 11 points behind Arsenal. That's a lot. 10 points behind City. This is a must win for Liverpool. There's just simply no doubt about it. It's just, this is where it is. Um, this is where Liverpool are. The league and the way City are playing, and to a lesser extent the way Arsenal are playing, are saying you cannot drop points. You cannot drop points. It's only going to be, if there's a push, it's going to be high 80s, early 90s for points to win the league. That's just what it takes. That's where City are. Um, they're not going to lose five, six, seven games. It's just not going to happen. So with Liverpool drawing all these games and kind of not able to get on track, they have the, we've discussed it, we discussed it at length last week, I mean, in the last episode, how the spacing for Liverpool and where they are and how things fit together is still not quite where it needs to be. And this is not a good time for Liverpool to face Arsenal. Arsenal are grooved. Arsenal have the players to really, really hurt Liverpool. Um, they're better than them in the midfield at this point. They have no injuries. Um, they're grooved. Arsenal have Martinelli to terrorize Trent Alexander-Arnold, and I mean terrorize. And then they even can work on the other side with Saka. So there's no quarter for the weaknesses that Liverpool has right now. If you think about that front six for Liverpool, I mean for, for Arsenal, Jesus, Saka, Martinelli, Shaka, and Odegaard. Shaka being the one who shuttles back and forth. Odegaard playing up top. There's really not a, a gap where you'd say, oh, this is Liverpool's chance. Now, these are moments. Every one of these games, on paper, we should say, hey, Arsenal are ready for this game. But these are still moments and hurdles that Arsenal has to cross. So, at home, they're very good. They just beat Tottenham. And now they have another chance to go again, lift themselves up and go, okay, if we're going to win the league, if we're going to do this, Liverpool are a team we've got to hurdle because they've been in second the whole time. And they have to be a team that we put to the sword. And I think this is the, a good time for Arsenal to make that move. And they have the pieces. They have the depth. They were able to get through this Europa game without really any problems. Liverpool, on the other hand, are still a little bit in crisis. We don't know if they can get that defense to a place that feels like it's a place that they can feel comfortable with. Van Dijk, who's his partner? Is it always Matip? Is it always going to work? Is TAA, can they get the spaces right? I mean, if we really think about it, Liverpool had... Thiago, Fabinho, and Henderson in the side, and they still gave up goals. That should never have happened in prior, in prior seasons, and it is happening. So we're curious 
as to where that is going. I'm going to check out some preview information here just to make sure that, you know, we check on injuries. Mohamed Elneny's out. Emerald Smith-Rowe, we know. And um, Firmino, Robertson sh should be able to come back in. Curtis Jones is ruled out. Keita and Oxlade-Chamberlain are still out. Uh, Arthur is also out this week. Remember Arthur? That was supposed to be a, a midfield check-in. So Keita, Curtis, Chamberlain, Arthur, and Robertson all in doubt with only two players in doubt for Arsenal. So it's really not close. Liverpool are a little older. Arsenal's still under 25. Incredible stuff. And still just cruising. Arsenal have won their last seven home games. And But Liverpool have kept clean sheets against Arsenal. This is a good matchup. It should be better. It sh last year, this was a no contest. But now we find out more about both teams and where Liverpool really are. If Liverpool want to keep their season alive, they have to win this game. Must, must, must. Little funny note. There was a, an anecdote around um, Darwin Nunez, who's Arsenal's, sorry, who's Liverpool's big signing for the summer. Uh, their Holland, not their Holland, um, not understanding anything Klopp says and talking to his teammates to figure out what it was in Spanish. I'm sure it's just a silly little story and uh, it'll be fine once they once they get themselves moving. So that's our big game Sunday, 1130 Eastern, Liverpool versus Arsenal at the Emirates. Big, big, big game. Moving on. My beloved Manchester City play Southampton. This game is not about whether there's a result to be had. City at home. It's really about whether Erling Holland, who has been more talked about in more hyperbolic terms than I've ever heard any other player. It's like pundits never watched the Bundesliga or never watched him in the Champions League or discounted every goal he had beforehand. And now that he's in the Premier League, it's as though he's this, you know, talking point that we needed to talk about the whole time. He was awesome the whole time. <laughs> I don't understand it. Like the dude had a one had a goal per game average his whole career. And now that he's doing like more than a goal per game in probably the greatest assembly of attacking talent or sorry, the best coached attacking talent in world football in Manchester City. And he's scoring more. That makes sense. I mean. We should compare this to Lewandowski at Bayern, you know, when he started scoring 40 goals a year. That's what Holland is. Um, but this is really not about whether City will win or lose, but by how much and whether Erling Holland can get a fourth hat trick in his last four games. Something that's inhuman and should never happen. That would mean that he has a hat trick every other game, not a goal. A good striker is a goal every other game, and he's on a hat trick every other game. So if he scores another three goals, I think the hyperbolic machine just shoots into the stratosphere and we get into like special magical thinking about what does Alling Holland mean? Has he broken football, et cetera, et cetera. But that's where we are. We're in this like stratospheric world where Erling Holland has taken over the universe. And we're in a kind of age of sport alien, like second generation data analytics age where everyone has watched every game, kids growing up on YouTube. I think, and, and I'm going to make this analogy. So in basketball, there is a young man from France who's like 17 years old, um, uh, Victor Wambayana, Wambay, Wambayan, like 
yeah, anyway, like the Spurs player, but this guy's a giant seven foot five basketball player. And he's coming in and he's incredible and already has talent. I think what we're seeing, and we're seeing this with Holland as well, also young, 22, and we're seeing it in the NBA more. And we're always shocked by young players being really good and sharp. But I don't think that the punditry of the world has caught up with how much information is out there for a young player to consume if they want to be the best ever. Like if you're a 15 year old and you want to be like Ronaldo or Messi, you can watch every single goal they've ever scored ever in history. And you can try and learn all those things. Or if you want to be like LeBron James, you can watch every LeBron James game. And there's coaches, coaching videos upon coaching videos for every single sport. And so players come into leagues just much better. Even if it's not the players, the coaching, the information out there now is so good that if you're at that fraction of a percent of going to be the best of the best, you're coming in with more information and more visual and more opportunity to be the best player ever than ever. And we keep on being shocked by young players being amazing when they've had YouTube their whole lives at this point, right? Like you start at eight years old. By the time you're 20, that's 10 years. YouTube's been out since 2003. They've had every video since 2010 on their kid life. Anyway, that's a whole other thing to talk about. But anyway, this game's really about Holland. And also for Southampton, uh, I'll go through this game, just go through the injuries really quickly. This is really, this might be uh, Ralph Hasenhutl's last game. Apparently there's, there's trouble in paradise. Apparently... They're looking towards the end here. Um, it's looking like it's going to end for um, for uh, Ralph Hasenhutl. Injuries on this one. Stones is out. Calvin Phillips is out. Kyle Walker is really out. Kyle Walker just had surgery on his hamstring, so we won't see him for a very long time. So Sergio Gomez will be the left back, and Cancelo will become the right back. A little bit of change won't really affect City too much. That's how good they are. It'll affect them down the road in bigger games. Uh, for Southampton, Lavia and Livermento out. Both really good players. Kind of a shame because they bring some attacking uh, prowess to the team. The thing to look for within Southampton is Bella Kochep and Salusu. Both really good. Bazuno. There's a lot of good young players on the Southampton side, but you don't know what you're going to get from week to week. They could win 2-1 and steal one or get blown out 5-0. So you just don't know what's going to happen. And they've gotten rid of kind of all their vets. They just really have James Ward Prowse to carry on all these things. So we'll see where they are. Um, it's just, you know, what what are they supposed to do? Southampton have lost four of their last five, so they head in with bad form. But they have played City well historically, uh, and so we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we'll see what goes on. Usually City had trouble with, Southampton because they just didn't have a striker. But now that Holland's there, there's somebody to put these balls in and score. I've always enjoyed Southampton. I, I like Hassan Hoodle. Uh, I want him to be on a better team. I could see him getting fired and then like taking the Aston Villa job <laughs> or something like that, or maybe taking the Wolves job and, and having a little bit more. I think the only thing that's kept Southampton in this league has been Hassan Hoodle. Weirdly enough, even though he has those two nine nils, at least he had a philosophy and a way to play. So, uh, but this is really about can Holland score more goals? Grealish playing well, 
City coming off an amazing result, an easy result against Copenhagen. This is the thing with City. When they're playing well, everything looks easy. Even the finishes from Holland, they look smooth. They look simple. But what he's doing is incredible. When Phil Foden makes a good finish, they make these goals that they're scoring look easy. And people just go, oh, they should always win. But what they're doing is really fucking hard. The passes that De Bruyne makes are incredibly difficult. But he just makes it look easy. And we're used to it. That's the thing with City. They make the impossible look easy. (laughs) And so you kind of watch them and you go, oh, that was no problem. One, two, three. But as a person who watches a lot of football and, and specifically a lot of City, whenever I watch other teams, I'm spoiled. And I go, why can't? isn't that guy's open or why didn't you lose that ball or how come you couldn't just turn there? And that's because I'm so used to watching city that I'm not used to other, that I'm not used to these slow paced teams that make mistakes or don't see crosses or when they do cross it, it goes, it balloons over or whatever city make the impossible look easy. So we see them as being, we see them as, as not putting any effort in, but they've put a lot of effort in because they're incredible. Next up on the on the docket here is Chelsea versus Wolves. Chelsea still a work in progress. Wolves have fired their manager, so Bruno Large is no longer managing um, uh, 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 Wolves. Uh, he changed from a back three. I think it's a mistake to have gotten rid of Large, but I'm sure that I, as I listen to lots of podcasts and Wolves fans, they're just frustrated with Large because he's not a talker. He's not a don't mind that snapping. That's my bug zapper. Um, they just don't have a striker. It's really the issue for um, Wolves. They have a lot of injuries. Kalajnik out. Jimenez out. Chiquinho out. Pedro Neto out. Nathan Collins out. Ruben Nieves out. Uh, their other striker, Yang Lee Chan, is out. They just have too many injuries. And then for Chelsea, Fafana got injured in the Champions League game along with uh, Angolo Kante, who's not quite ready yet and also a big change for potter he's been using keppa as opposed to a uh keppa as opposed to mendy so keppa has been in goal keppa looks different physically much bigger than he was when he came in and had all those troubles under under sorry so he's physically much bigger but I, i'm interested to see where chelsea are i know that they're working through things uh, i know that they got a good win i watched them against AC Milan and there was much more urgency and effort put in they really pressed a little bit harder I saw a lot more running from Mount and Sterling and Kovacic Kovacic being in is a big deal he's such a good player so good on the ball and then Reese James is probably you know is probably Chelsea's best player and he scored a goal so they're getting there they're moving along I do think that the problems Aubameyang has always had will be the problems that Potter has with him is that he doesn't do much. He can finish goals. He gets on the end of things. He's a good finisher, but he doesn't press. He doesn't hold the ball up. He doesn't even drop deep. He doesn't even care. And I think eventually uh, Broya will take that striker role off of him just because, uh, and we'll see where they are there. Um, But I like this game. I think Chelsea will get a clean sheet. Not a problem. Um, I could see, you know, Chelsea having a hard time. Might be a nil-nil. But I can definitely see Chelsea should win this game, especially at home. And these are the games that Chelsea needs to win 
to keep themselves moving while Potter does his work. You know I love Potter. You know that he's going to get there. Uh, they sit in fifth right now, uh, Chelsea. So they've got to get their, their machine back going, get themselves in the top four, get themselves moving. We can assume that Brighton will drop out uh, and go from there. The issue for Wolves, and I talked about this on the last podcast, was last season, Wolves were, by their underlying numbers, a relegation team. Jose Saw was the best goalkeeper in the league. He saved penalties. He saved one-on-ones. He kept them in the league even though they weren't scoring at all. So I think I said they had the underlying numbers of a team that gave up 60 goals but only gave up 45. So Saw was like 15 goals difference as a team, and that kept them where they were. And I predicted, I think in our predictions, and I could probably go back and check, but I don't have to do it now, that um, they would have a hard time staying up because they hadn't really improved the team and Sa wasn't likely, Jose Sa was not likely to sustain that. And I think that the loss of Connor Cody because they wanted to go to a back four was a huge mistake. Uh, they just lost a personality. They lost, what do we talk about, Mike and I, all the time? That Englishness. Right now, this is a Portuguese team almost 100% <laughs> at this point. Uh, and they're missing that Englishness, that sort of connectivity to when they came up, that language, that that try, that talking, that energy, that defenses need. Defense needs glue. And that keeper to central defender connection is so huge. And Cody gave them that, and he's not there anymore. And I think that's going to hurt them. And I think that they are now a candidate to go down. So we move on to, uh, oh, Mike's beloved uh, Tottenham versus Brighton. Tottenham have an issue. Their offense and the way they play is really difficult to see quality they have quality but the way they play doesn't show it and i know that's what conte does and i know he's italian and i know that this is what they do but i think he's not or he doesn't have the skill or this isn't his personality he's not looking at spurs seeing what they have and playing the way that makes spurs the best version of themselves he's seeing the team seeing its flaws and trying to play the way that reduces their flaws. When you have Son, Kulishevsky, Richarlison, and Kane, I think you have a chance to, to be more offensive. Or maybe they're one attacking midfielder short. Like maybe it should be, oh, maybe it should be Basuma, Betancourt, Hoiberg, and then play three up front and see how things go from there. Instead of this wingback thing where he can't really figure out who the wingbacks are. He's Perisic, but he's not a good defender. He's moving, He keeps on playing Emerson Royale uh, when he's got Sessignon and he's got Doherty and he's, his central defenders are okay. You know, I think, you know, Eric Dyer is good in the middle. He's a good passer, but he's not athletic enough. And then when they want to play athleticism, then they bring on Sanchez. But Sanchez isn't a good enough defender. He's too rash. He uses his athleticism too much and gets cards because he doesn't know where he's supposed to be. And then you have uh, – um, Mike would just kill me if I didn't know. Oh, Romero, sorry. And then they're playing Lengle. I don't think they're there. They're, they're, they're playing a way that doesn't expose their strengths. Now, they're not losing. And, you know, they could have easily – gotten a draw or a win against Arsenal. They didn't they're not playing bad, but I just wonder 
if there something's amiss and I wonder how Spurs fans feel and I wonder if Mike in a moment of not losing his mind <laughs> could sort of be more be more honest with himself and wonder if there's something in between again if Potter had got a hold of Tottenham versus Conte. Now Conte's a winner. I get it. It's tough. These are these. This isn't easy. These aren't easy decisions. But I just wonder for Spurs if they're the right players. Now let's go through the game. Mora's out. Kulishevsky's out. Tanganga is still out. And Royal's serving a red card. That's actually going to help Spurs because Royale tends to have problems on the Brighton side, which you haven't talked about. Motor and Nwepo are doubt are out, but they still have their group. So they're coming off. Trossard, Gross, Welbeck, Caicedo, Alistair, Esteban, March, Webster, Dunk, Veltman. I mean, I, I know this Brighton team so well, I can name it. But they played really, really well uh, against Liverpool. They're going to be more open now under under Deserby. Uh, Deserby's team in Sassuolo led, almost led the league in goals against while scoring tons. So they're super open. Um, but I think that he's going to let the talent of the team do its best. But I do wonder if someone like Duncan Webster, who are not that athletic, are going to have a hard time without Casero protecting them more often if he's going to ask Casero to push on. Uh, if Casero is playing forward, I think that Brighton will give up goals, but they're going to score more. I think that you know he allows for freedom. And then, of course, Danny Welbeck is just such a frustrating player because he's so good. He does so many things well. He brings balls down. He, he pops it out wide. He makes the run into the box. But then, you know, he just fluffs. <laughs> he just fluffs his finishes almost always. <laughs> you can you can almost um you can almost always know that he's gonna he's gonna uh, fluff his lines. But this is a good lineup for Brighton. And I don't think that any Spurs fans should be worried about this game. This is gonna be a tough game. And while a draw might seem bad. A draw against this Brighton team, who are going to match up against you in the same formation with the three five with the three four two one, you should be worried because it's not you don't have an advantage by playing wing backs. You know they're going to come up against each other. Perisic and Estupan are going to be against each other. Sally March and Cessignon are going to be against each other. There's not going to be some special magic where you have extra space. And this and Brighton is much more grooved than Tottenham. Uh, well, are they? They're about the same. So this is a good game. I could see a draw happening here, but you know, I still love Brighton. Uh, I, even though my my friend and son, Sir uh, Potter, is not at the team anymore, I still love Brighton. I still want them to succeed. I still want them uh, around. I still want to see them challenging in the top four. I just love them. Trossard coming off a hat trick. It's a good team. It's a really good team. And you should. I think this is definitely the game of the weekend. Aside after Liverpool. Uh, versus Arsenal. Oh, definitely check in to Brighton Tottenham. It's the late game on Saturday. It's the it's the it's the late kickoff. So check that one out and really enjoy it. As opposed to uh, watching Everton versus Man United. Everton all of a sudden are the best defensive team in the league. I don't know how that happened, <laughs> but they are not. Their underlying numbers are not the best defense in the league. So Jordan Pickford has been standing on his head. Most of that standing on his head came from the Liverpool game where they got the nil-nil. But um, right now, let's see, goals against, sorted by Everton, number one defense in the league, only seven goals against. But their XG is 13. So 
they their 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 goal difference is zero, but their expected goal difference is minus four and a half because um, Pickford has stood on his head. But and I talked about this, and I talked about this over and over again. Tarkovsky and Cody, English defenders who want to defend, who want to organize, who want to talk. Those guys matter. Everyone talks about playing out from the back. Everyone talks about all these things, but when you have Tarkovsky and Cody in the middle of your defense with crazy Jordan Pickford, you're going to be fine. Now, a lot of things have improved for Everton. Onana has been a revelation. He literally grows every time you watch him. He was six foot. Now he's six two. He's going to be six foot five. Basically, he's a Holland in the midfield. He's gigantic. Keep an eye on him. He's this giant monster of a player who plays in the middle for uh, for Everton. That's going to cause massive problems for United because we know United's weaknesses in the midfield. Um, they just don't have anyone of the quality of Onana. And again, also keep an eye on Iwobi and Adrisa Gay. So they're starting to get a unit. Like I'm starting to like what's happening with um, Everton. Now, Seamus Coleman has to come back into the defense. Uh, they have a bunch of players out. Everton missing Mina, Holgate, Godfrey, Townsend. Nathan Patterson's the big one. Nathan Patterson missing as their normal right back. Seamus Coleman, longtime 14-year captain, comes back into the side. He's the link um, uh, to, to old school Everton, to Moyes Everton. So Seamus Coleman, a player I really love, but now getting long in the tooth. And I think he knows it. Uh, he's just a captain and a talker. But he'll be back there. But it should give Rashford a chance to get in behind, provided Tarkovsky and Cody give that room. But Pickford on his head, this Everton side starting to look settled. Gordon and Gray, Mope in the middle. We know about Mope and his and his wipes. So I really like Everton in this game, especially at home. I don't think United are grooved, especially they had a little bit of a tough game, a little bit of a weird game in the Champions League. They gave up two goals to Ocasia in Cyprus, which is insane. But they still haven't figured out the midfield, and I'm not sure Erickson can be counted on to be defensive. I think if Frank Lampard sees Fernandez and Erickson in the midfield, he should take the game to United because they're weak. If he tries to sit back and plays defensive, which the way which is the way Everton have been playing, he will allow he will allow Erickson to not be a liability, but they need to attack because Erickson, McTominay, Fernandez is a weak midfield. Lindelof, Martinez is a small defense. They can be got at. And I think Gray and Gordon and, sorry, uh, Gordon, Mope and Gray should have a time and really get in there and get after them. Don't be afraid of Man United, especially at home. Take it to them. I, I'm not sure if Everton are ready for that yet. They're still pretty much a counterattacking team who are solid in defense. But I think that this is a time to be like, we're fucking Everton. We're at home. We're going to make a statement. This team's not good. Man United are not good. They don't know how to play with each other yet. Uh, Varane's still out. Dubrovka, Wambisaka, Harry Maguire, Brand the injuries for United are non-playing players. So I think the key thing is, will Casemiro play? This is a weird thing that's going on with United where we're not sure why Casemiro's not playing. I don't think necessarily that um, Ten Hag liked him or wanted him. So we'll see what that means, which I don't understand why that's happening. Who the hell knows? They do need him. They do need him to be 
good and need him to to sort of be that anchor because he's so much better than um, McTominay. McTominay's awful. But uh, yeah, I'm not quite keen on what United is up to. Uh, and I think Everton can get something from this game. And if I was still looking at the bet, I would bet on Everton to win for sure. Um, so now we go down to the rest of the games that are going on today. Newcastle, Brentford, Bournemouth v. Leicester, West Ham, Fulham, Crystal Palace, Leeds, Nottingham Forest versus Everton. I will give you some quick takes on each one. Uh, Newcastle ha- coming off a really good game at home. Brentford, after having that good win versus Leeds, have not really played well. We're hoping that Brentford can get themselves back together. These games, so the Brentford, um, Brentford-Newcastle is one of the morning games, so 10 a.m. tomorrow. Newcastle are in decent shape. They just got the win. Uh, St. Maximin is on his way back. Brentford, not sure what's going on. In a relegation six-pointer, we have Bournemouth versus Leicester at in the South Coast. Bournemouth playing, you know what? Bournemouth playing really well. Uh, they're, again, undefeated in their last five under Gary O'Neill. Leicester got their first win against Nottingham Forest. We'll see if they now can kick on. They have a good offense. Leicester do score goals. They have Madison. They still have that. Their problem is defending. If they're put under pressure, will they fold? Have they fought their set-piece problem? Can they hide their goalkeeper, which Ward is terrible? But they've got to, got to, got to find a way to win games without having to score three or four goals. So Leicester, this is a six-pointer. This will let us know really where... Bournemouth are and where um, where Bournemouth are and where Leicester really are. Are they really turned it around? Can they really score a goal? So they they have a top top eight offense, but they have a bottom three defense. So they've got to figure out how to score goals while still defending. They've just got to get a little bit better. I would they should kill for a goalkeeper. They really need one badly <laughs> but i'll be checking that game out because i kind of i kind of like i kind of like lester have a soft spot for them and i kind of like bournemouth too the red and white looks cool um we go to west ham fulham fulham should have felt like they had a good chance in this game but especially at home these london games are rivalry games east versus west london but the injury list for fulham is long and scary. Mitrovic is doubtful. Tete's doubtful. Willian's doubtful. Um, uh, Harry Wilson's out. Chalaba out. Anthony Robinson doubtful. So we should see Paulinho, which was big for them. So Reed and Paulinho, their midfield has really been holding it together. But no Mitrovic will be a problem. If I am Fulham, I think I, I err on the side of caution and don't bring Mitrovic on uh, for... For West Ham, they just have Agard, who's been out all year, and Maxwell Cornet, who sadly, it doesn't look like he can stay healthy. But we'll see here what goes on. Paqueta is getting off the schneid. Bowen scored last week. Paquette, uh, Fornals is there. So we're starting to see some of the groove that West Ham have. But in this game, you want to see West Ham impose themselves. Let's try and get that goal, do some damage to the, frankly, shaky central defense of of, of Leeds, I mean, of, of Fulham, and score some goals. Uh, I think that this should be 
I mean, Fulham are going to want to be on the ball, so maybe it'll maybe it'll go into West Ham's hands. But I think Paulinha will be the key. That key battle of Paulinha versus Rice in the midfield, Reed and Paulinha versus Socek and Rice to control who who's winning those balls. And if if Fulham are winning those balls in the middle, then I think they have a good chance of winning, provided Mitrovic is there. But I'm not sure if they want to play. So they're sweating the fitness of Robinson, Mitrovic, and Willian. We'll see. We'll see. And West Ham did play uh, on Thursday. And are they going to keep that process going of continuing to play and play and play the same players over and over and over again? Well, we'll see what happens there. Uh, that's a little that's a little club that I like to talk about. And we go to Palace and Leeds. Palace have been playing really well. Leeds, not so much. They had a, a gnarly draw against Aston Villa. But I'm less concerned about... Crystal Palace, even though they're pretty low on the table, Crystal Palace sitting 17th, there's no way this team's going down. They're just way too good. They, again, have the same problem they had last year. They need to turn their draws into wins. Their only loss in their last six was to City, but they had draws versus Liverpool and and Brentford that they shouldn't have lost and Newcastle in their last game they lost to Chelsea. So their losses have been against big six sides, which, you know, that's okay. Uh, they lost that crazy Conor Gallagher goal, but they should be better than they are. I'd like to see Ventadala last time um, and, and see where they go from there. But, uh, you know, the month off has helped Leeds the most. They now have got Aronson and Rodrigo and Harrison and Bamford. Everyone's back in action, uh, but they've got to kick on and figure out where they want to go. Sinestra's going to miss this one because he got a red, because they're dumb, but, you know, on on the um on the chel- on the sorry on the palace side big miss for them is Joakim Anderson. He is a great passer of the ball, really switches play from the back. So we'll see if that affects their offense, but let's go Palace get some wins. Leeds is a team you can beat, especially at home. And then last game to go through is um the great and powerful Nottingham Forest versus Villa. What to say? What to say? Forest are really uh, hitting the skids pretty badly. Uh, they're in trouble. Steve Cooper's in trouble. They bought those 22 players. They spent 180 million pounds. It's not looking like they have something here. Villa are a pretty weak opponent, to be fair. They have not grooved at all under under Gerard. They've only improved marginally. I could see Villa losing this game pretty easily, but Forest are bad. Um, but an away game, Midlands, Forest, you never know. Uh, I mean, I put Aston Villa at a slight favorite, but I don't trust them until I trust them. But these are the games that Villa should win and have to win. But I do think that if Forest lose, uh, Cooper could lose his job, and then we'll be in a real shit show. But there's a lot of managers out there. There's Dyche. There's... there's um. There's Benitez. There's uh there's 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 just tons tons of managers floating out there. Pochettino, I don't know who I, who would take the forest job, but there's lots. And the owner of the owner of um the owner of Nottingham Forest is a bit of a wild man. Uh he does like to do things the way he wants to. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll see. Oh, is this true? Oh, so breaking news, 
Steve Cooper has signed an extension. So he will stay at the club. Um, he will stay at the club. So he, he's clearly not going to get fired. So that's amazing. It looks like this is going to be his team. This is going to keep him in good shape. Cooper is going to be the manager. Uh, I guess they don't care if they go down or maybe they have a long-term plan. And so Cooper gets a new deal until 2025. Not that that means anything. Not that that means anything. But this is big news. So I would, I guess Cooper is not in trouble <laughs> as of right now. Or maybe he was going to take a different job and decided, hey, uh, I'm going to I'm going to keep this job and he convinced them to keep him. So that's a big deal. Cooper will be the manager. So he has at least some maybe there's some leeway to get the 22 players that they signed in order. And then now the, the Schneid goes back to, to to Steven Gerrard. Does he get a leash? Is he the one in trouble? Uh, so this becomes one of those games, you know, where whoever loses the narrative shifts to them of like, oh, you're going to get fired. But now we know Cooper isn't going to get fired. So that is that. Let us summarize the schedule, get everything cleared away so you know what's what and when. Here we go. The schedule for, oh, here we go. Sorry. <laughs> the schedule for the week's games is the 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific games are Newcastle versus Brentford. Bournemouth versus Leicester City, City, Manchester City versus Southampton, Chelsea versus Wolves, and the late game on Saturday is Brighton versus Tottenham. Then on Sunday, all the Europa kids, West Ham at 9 a.m. versus Fulham, Crystal Palace host Leeds, and then the big one, 8.30 on Sunday, uh, 11.30 Eastern, Arsenal versus Liverpool, along, and then to round out the Sunday is Everton versus Man United at 11. Uh, that's 2 p.m., Eastern, and then the Monday game is Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest. Not sure why Nottingham Forest keeps getting Monday night games, but such is life. And then there'll be more, there'll be midweek European games. That'll come back around, and we'll talk about those on Monday. I have survived again. My throat has survived. Once again, please like and subscribe to the show. Thank the Chop Sports Network. Thank FanHub and I am going to take us out of here right now. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Mike Slayer and Ron Ron Cortines. We are the football wing of the Chop Sports Network. We record on Tuesdays and Fridays. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a show. Mike, I need you, buddy. 